0: On this episode of Cannabis Business Minds, we talk about the ins and outs of recruiting outside professionals into the cannabis industry. Finding top-notch talent isn't something that you can just find on Craigslist. It
1: requires due diligence, a stringent assessment of skills, and time. And just like you can't find top talent at your local dive bar, not all recruiters are created equal. Our guest on today's show makes staffing and recruiting sound fun. Jesse and Travis Cox have a tenure of success from helping professionals to search firms to creating over 150 websites. So sit back and enjoy this episode of Cannabis Business Minds. Today we've got the dynamic duo Jesse and Travis Cox from Cannabis Staff Recruiting Agency. Jessie has worked in staffing and recruitment, technology and cannabis since 2009. She has created 10 cannabis startups, over 150 cannabis websites and domains, and has held leadership positions in multiple cannabis startups.
0: Travis has worked in corporate and banking finance since 2006, he's created multiple partnerships in the cannabis industry, worked with multiple national C-level executive professionals and search firms, and has an in-depth knowledge regarding cannabis compliance and technology. Jesse and Travis, welcome to the show.
2: Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. It's really a pleasure to be interviewed by you guys.
0: Sounds great. I know we're super pumped. Uh, That was such a brief intro for both of you guys. If you don't mind telling us a little bit about Cannabis Staff and what you do, what your offerings are, what type of companies you work with, and give us the overview of your company, that'd be great.
3: Absolutely. Well, we started Cannabis Staff. Uh, because there is a large need for executive staffing uh, in the growing cannabis industry. And we work with uh, companies to help them find uh, and source talent uh, for executive leadership positions, typically. Uh, we also do, I guess. Uh, we work in, I guess, many different industries or all different industries within the cannabis industry, uh, but uh, we saw that there is a need for uh, high-level people that maybe not uh, have not broken into the cannabis industry yet, but are very interested in, in coming into it and bring a lot of skills that uh, are very widely needed for cannabis businesses these days. So. Uh, we're very excited about uh, 2017.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: right. And what type of markets and geographies are you guys in right now? Are you in all the United States yeah, we, regulated markets? Uh, actually, uh, we're in North America. Actually. And Canada.
3: So, uh, well, yes. <laughs> North America. <laughs> so, uh,
0: the, been
2: a, lot people, a lot of people don't think that Canada is part of that, and we're I American. think that you know, for all intents and purposes, you know, we are we're actually just as active in Canada as we are in the United States. And, and I guess I technically,
3: be separate. I guess technically I can't say North America because I'm not actually including Mexico in that So <laughs> anyway <at all>. okay. <laughs> I guess technically, yes, the United States can.
0: totally. the and Canada. Totally, and maybe soon enough. well, I mean, can they, like, which
2: continues our office debate. because. Because I'm always excluding Canada from being part of North America for some reason in my mind. Oh,
0: my God. I've I'll got- admit to
2: that.
1: Even <laughs> I- though it's North
0: <laughs> of America. Yeah. Yeah. I hope Canadians are, not, are listening and are not. But I mean, the Canadian market's super thriving, and I imagine that you probably are looking. People are requesting a lot of you know top talent up there just because of a the medical program 2017, like the adult use actually hopefully happening. So I can see that Canada would be a source of demand. Yes, definitely. Canada
2: was the first to legalized medical marijuana in 2001. So what's really interesting is that, you know, they're ahead of us in a lot of ways and at the same time, you know, we're able to really complement their workforce with seasoned professionals who know the cannabis industry who for some reason in the last couple quarters have decided to make a huge exodus to Canada. I don't know why. And we're getting a lot of applicants who you know are looking to cross the border to go to these executive level positions at tweed and canopy and other um large uh corporations that are working in the cannabis industry because it's become such an amazing enormous opportunity to grow um as industry professionals and to be taken quite seriously um you know i do i feel like in the u.s there's still quite a bit of uh judgment toward the cannabis industry and our ability to to be experts and executive-level professionals. So a lot of what we do, really, at Cannabis Staff, is to help introduce people to our program and ensure that the people that we're putting into positions are not, you know, continuing to, uh, I guess you could say, solidify the stereotypes of being a stoner. Um, we try to have, make sure that all of our uh, executives that we place into positions are executives who are high functioning, positive, always focused and very um, much productive in their own positions and looking at going you know higher and in a positive direction
1: no pun intended right i'm just kidding exactly i
2: i use that word all the time and it cracks me up because (laughs) people all the way are like yeah higher
1: so well okay so talking about that and bringing professionals into the cannabis industry what are some of the issues you are seeing professionals from outside the industry struggle when placed into a cannabis specific role
3: Yeah. So uh, I think that uh, for a lot of people coming into it, uh, many people don't realize the high level of regulation that actually surrounds the cannabis industry and uh, the degree to which uh, they will need to be uh, compliant with a lot of the different laws. And uh, not only that, I guess, but the hiring requirements uh, of bringing people into it. Or coming in, excuse me. Um, and I think there's a learning curve as well too, uh, in terms of how cannabis is is done as a business. But uh, the good thing that we see is many of the professionals we actually place into positions are able to bring new skills uh, to businesses that they haven't they haven't actually had before. So that's the, the exciting thing that we're seeing about placing people outside of the industry into it.
1: Awesome. Our, what tips would you have for professionals looking to transition into the cannabis industry. Because personally, I found that, I mean, culture alone, cannabis is a very, there's so much culture behind it, religion, medical, whatever, that it's just, although we, we are obviously striving to be professional and we're growing more and more every day, I've met a lot of professionals that, They can't even, like three months later, they are so frustrated by the lack of phone calls or people never showing up or the lack of skills that people have. So I'm wondering if you have any tips for people looking to get into the cannabis industry that might make their transition a little easier.
3: Sure. Yeah. And that's, you know, unfortunately, one of the growing pains that we see in the industry is that... In many companies, uh, unfortunately, as they've grown, they've noticed deficiencies uh, in some of the executives that they have placed into the rules. And yet you're absolutely right. Some of the uh, things that you're saying uh, really resonate with what we hear from hiring authorities in that the people that, unfortunately, uh, they're, the positions they're searching for were places where they had people in the positions that acted, unfortunately, with the typical pothead, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. stereotype. And uh, I think that, of course, you know, I'm, I'm a big cannabis user. (laughs) I've been using cannabis for, you know, 25 years now, 26, I guess. I just had my birthday, so 26 years now. (laughs) And I can say that I have, even though I use, and I probably use a significant amount (laughs) that (laughs) I'm 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 a functioning professional. And I treat my job a as- high A high-functioning professional, yes. <laughs>
2: not, not just a functioning professional,
3: but a, a high-functioning professional. Not, again, no pun intended on that, but, but a high-functioning high professional where I take what I do very seriously and I and I treat it as a serious thing. And I think that for tips for people getting into the industry, it is, you're right, absolutely. Number one, you are going to be dealing with people that potentially have some uh, <laughs> short-term memory loss, short-term memory loss issues, or so they
2: need to be using a calendar,
1: right? A and using different business. ways, mm-hmm. you know, lack of formal business experience, um, professionality, definitely. Yeah.
2: Yes, I recommend uh, Travis and I actually have some uh, different types of you know business communication um, programs that we used with uh, more junior executives or someone who might be a cultivator that's never worked in the cannabis sector before, but they're wanting to build a profile and build a resume. And so we do try to help uh, candidates when they come to us and maybe they don't have the polished resume or the polished set. to take in um, you know, to take on one of these more corporate type positions. Um, but we don't stop there. We really try to work with the candidates to help understand where they can fit. And then we go out and we help find them a position. So it's very much two sided, um, on the part of, uh, Travis or myself, or one of our talent acquisition managers, working with the candidate, finding out where they shine, and then looking at, exactly what's available in their region, <clears throat> sorry, I'm losing my voice, um, but also, you know, working with them together uh, to build something that is sustainable for their life. That's really what was my driving passion and Travis's as well when we, when we started Cannabis Staff was that we've worked as consultants in cannabis for so long, 98% of what we did the problems that a bad employee had created at businesses, that was what we did. And we realized, well, the root of the problem here is that people that are unprofessional and unqualified are being put into positions because they know the right person or because the recruiter completely lied or did not check the, ref- the references or the work references um, and, you know, put someone through that should not have been put through. And unfortunately, that happens so often. And it not only damages the candidates that it's put through for a position that they're not qualified for, it's in fact, damages the business for many quarters. And so we realized that this was a problem that we could easily fix because of our experience in staffing and recruiting. And also, um, for the past 10 and a half years, I've worked um, very much uh, underground, if you will, as an applicant myself, going in applying for positions, working with recruiters just to show the corporation that their recruiter was not doing the job that they said they were doing because I got offered a job that I'm not qualified for because I interview very well. That's wow. a lot of, um, yeah, yeah, that's wow. that's a lot of how, that's that's a lot of our secret sauce actually, but not a lot of recruiters can uh, interview well so well, I'm and lucky
0: and that's really interesting so <laughs> a few questions just to elaborate on that and one's just an observation it just seems that you know Chris and I were just talking about the similarities of this industry to the tech industry and just also the credibility of candidates and professionals and what is considered an expert and how much of a due diligence is actually being done to validate somebody's expertise and skill set uh, because it seems like what you guys just mentioned that you know the moment that somebody's placed and does not have the expertise to do that function well essentially it's really gonna hit the company so for you what drives companies to reach out to you guys instead of like listing jobs online or in other mediums
3: absolutely well you know, first off, using a uh, recruiter, and we're a became uh, executive search uh, firm ourselves. Uh, it's it's actually more cost effective uh, overall than. Searching yourself, because first off, you have to realize that the person that's actually searching it, and most cannabis companies don't have an internal HR person, Mm -hmm. uh, but searching yourself is taking away from the ability to actually do your job correctly. And not only that, but unfortunately, if placing ads on job boards, you're going to get job board applicants, and those are the type of people that typically we aren't actually getting. We're actually getting people uh, that they normally wouldn't have access to. So people that are above average performers in their current position and people that are looking to move to make a career change. Not someone that was underperforming and, you know, got let go, but someone that you actually – is is someone that would be really desirable if you could get them to, to move for your opportunity. So uh, those are some of the reasons why they would use a couple of other reasons, obviously uh, confidentiality uh, for the employer. That's actually looking to hire Uh, many companies. Of course, when you're looking at cannabis and when you put, ads out on job boards, you're going to be flooded applications. Um, we see... Up to
2: 2,000 per listing and often um, more than that in some areas. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and
3: going through that amount of applicants and, and trying to figure out who is qualified, who isn't qualified, uh, that's really time-consuming. And, and looking at uh, trying to hire out of that pool of applicants uh, for... Uh, any sort of company is really daunting. So we break it down and we actually go out and we find the people that fit the requirements that a is looking for. And we find that person and we find interested people that are that we've actually already done background checks on, we've checked their references, uh, once of course they get to the, the candidate stage if the company's really serious about hiring them, then we'll go that far. Uh, of course, we offer we offer background checks and uh, you know things like that, like uh, like a typical recruiter would. But uh, we have
2: a research team for higher echelon positions, um, for executive level, uh, C level positions, and also board candidate positions and medical positions, um, just to ensure that the people that we are putting through are industry professionals that they operate in a you know, authentic and transparent way that we're not putting someone through that's going to, you know, get them audited automatically because it's such a horrible track record or someone that might have such terrible credit, you know, that they can't even get a corporate credit card. Um, You know, unfortunately, that is something that we see. And oftentimes hiring authorities do not want to approach those subjects with their candidates because it can be oftentimes very uncomfortable Um, but Travis and I and our talent acquisition managers all have a really friendly approach and I think that that is something um, that really is core to our culture we really are interested in the deeper uh, relationship not just finding someone a job and turning around and finding another person a job Uh, it's not about finding people jobs it's really about helping people understand their skill set and shining, you know, in their own authentic way of who they are. That's really important to me so, as, um, you know, a, a person just individually. I want people to be authentic.
1: I So I'm not totally familiar with how recruiting works, but does the company come to you and you find the candidate or do you have a bevy of candidates that you've already gone through and you know, done the background check and everything, and then you just have a stable of candidates you could pull from when a company comes to you. Like, how do you know when a company Uh, would do it?
3: Yeah, both, in fact. Uh, So we are always networking. We are always uh, getting to know more and more people every day. Uh, Of course, we have a multitude of people uh, that reach out (laughs) on
2: Multiple uh, networks.
3: On an hourly basis, minute-by-minute minute yeah. basis, it seems like. Uh, who We've
2: are a really incredible um, inbound marketing engine uh, just throughout um, the industry that helps us track more leads. Sorry to interrupt Travis, but, uh, yeah, that's a big part of what we do during the day is um, working on inbound leads.
0: Can you talk? To yeah, us? but we. Oh, go ahead, Travis. Sure,
3: but but we. Yeah, of course. But we are uh, typically approached by businesses uh, that would that are searching for uh, particular positions, and then we get uh, requisitions from them, uh, and at that point, essentially, we look through uh, our extensive network, uh, see if there are suitable candidates that we know that are actually. Actively looking for positions or that would fit that skill set, and we will go and approach those people. Uh, If we don't have uh, completely suitable candidates, of course, we we find those candidates.
1: (laughs) So when it comes to the companies that you work with, would you say they're the type of companies that bring in at least a million in annual revenue? Are they, in my opinion, or in my estimation, they would be larger companies, companies that value outside services, such as recruiting firms, because they know better? how large
3: absolutely i would say probably the smallest we probably work with is maybe 10 million million in sales yeah i think that's probably a good estimate
0: yeah that makes sense yeah no absolutely and just for those people who don't understand can you talk to us a little bit about what's the cost if you don't hire a good employee Like, you know, you mentioned it a little bit at the very beginning, how it can significantly hinder operations in a business. But can you elaborate a little bit on that? Definitely. I
2: have personally seen uh, businesses that have hired an ill-equipped industry expert, um, someone that, you know, we would all see as being the You know a leader in the field on social media. Um, I don't consider that to be a gold standard. I think that you should really do a little bit of homework before you hire someone and understand who they are. I do not believe in uh, quick fire uh, or quick hire um, scenarios because they can be very dangerous. Um, I always recommend you know, at least a two to three week interview uh, process because in that two to three weeks you're able to really evaluate uh, the individual that you're offering the position to. And in that, you want to ensure that the person going into an executive position who's going to have access to multiple shareholders, your vendor list, your proprietary information, If the person that you're hiring is not telling you the truth in the beginning, who's to say that three months down the road when they're not performing, they're not going to take your list and all of your proprietary secrets over to a competitor. And that has happened so many times and it's devastating for a lot of these new startups. So when Travis was talking about the uh, ROI that you have in working with a recruiter or an executive search firm, there is an instant um, ROI equation that we actually are able to offer uh, which has a value that um, really does carry through, um, you know, to the end of your, you know, bottom line number, um, which can be the difference of hiring, you know, someone who is a performer, someone who's, you know, showing up and innovative, passionate, really wants to be a part of their position, or someone who lied on their application is going to keep their head down because people that keep their head down don't get, you know, their resume pulled up by HR. And, you know, they're just milking their time and they're not even performing. So, you know, oftentimes that's why I recommend using a recruiter is just to avoid that entire scenario. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. This, uh, yeah,
0: I mean, and of
3: course, you know, looking at the numbers of it, as well, it's like they estimate that on average it costs the company between like it's six to nine months of uh, salary to train a new employee uh, because of training and, and additional hiring costs as well.
0: Yeah. And I mean, also just that 90 day trial period, it's so important actually when they've been hired just to make sure that it's a good fit, as well as, you know, performance reviews in the company to make sure that, okay, if there is any low hanging fruit, uh, just to make sure that everybody's evaluated. What's the help? Like, what's a help? Okay. I- Attrition rate in the industry. Uh, let's see, Travis, what's the what's, what's the attrition rate?
3: Right sorry, I'm sorry, I didn't hear the question.
0: Oh, what's a healthy attrition rate uh, in the cannabis industry? Like
1: in comparison to the tech industry, I'm uh, so. For example, we do operational assessments with companies, and we will ask, "What's your employee churn rate?" And a lot of times they don't even have one. A lot of times they just hold on to people. And in California, especially, your employees are your biggest risk to your company. And I think mm-hmm. that that's one of the your biggest things. asset. Yeah, asset and risk. And a lot of times companies don't know how to let go of people that are underperforming or people that are bringing down the morale in the rest of the company. So I'm wondering, what do you think is a healthy attrition rate that is more normal where they actually keep people that perform and let people that are not performing go.
3: Sure. Yeah, and you know what you're saying is is really kind of the the growing challenges I think in the in the industry is that and that's kind of what we're we've we've been seeing you know third and fourth quarter last year and kind of the what a lot of companies uh, that we're talking to uh, are seeing as well too is that there are uh, a lot of companies that have as you say hung on to under underperforming employees uh, that they need to let go of but they don't as far as an attrition rate uh, I don't know I mean I, I don't really ever like to give companies numbers that say, you know, what is and what isn't healthy. Uh, if you're talking about, you know, of course, lower level positions uh, in terms of turnover, I think in every industry across the board, you're going to get high turnover in those positions. I'm talking about just yeah. entry level positions and yeah. and you know, timber timber positions and you know, lower level positions in the industry. That uh, you're always going to have people that are going to be uh, maybe Unreliable, but that I don't think that only is for the cannabis industry, but that extends I think into retail and any other organization like that. Um, but I, as far as what's healthy for a company, uh, the challenge is again in terms of a growing industry like like we're experiencing now is that uh, these are questions that a lot of companies have to look at themselves and really uh, take a lot of stock of because the challenges in a startup industry is that a lot of these people have grown with the company and they really feel a lot like family at this point yeah and i think that that's uh the really hard thing for a lot of companies is to really look at what's happening and say you know at the bottom line unfortunately as much as i don't want to say it i'm still running a business and i have to do things and we have to make decisions that are going to be in the best uh, the best interest of of making our business successful instead of you know well, I guess I'm performing at the order I still admit. But I think that that is uh really the thing that we're seeing a lot that companies are really kinda of getting to that breaking point right now.
0: And then before we transition to the next section, one other question that I've got is, you know, of the companies that you're working with, how many are, you know, plant like have succession planning as a process in place that they're really planning for the succession of their executives if they're to leave and who would, you know, assume those roles? Do you guys can you give us like a number of like a percentage of what companies are doing succession planning?
3: Uh, we have not seen that too much only at the real top levels. And when I talk about the real top levels, I'm saying large multinationals that are that are used to doing uh, business in that manner. But okay. in terms of some of the companies we're working with that uh, you know are 10 million or so, uh, I can say that some of those are family owned. Uh, many of them, actually, I can say that that we deal with uh, probably in that range are going to be some sort of, you know, close relationship between between the ownership of it. And, um, and actually, and I'll be honest, in some of those roles, I know of executives that are actually looking for other positions, and they don't have a succession plan uh, in place uh, in terms of replacing those executives already. So uh, obviously, you know, the particular people I'm talking about are, are confidentially looking for other positions, but they... Are in situations where, you know, they aren't really thinking about the company's needs, but more, you know, their personal career growth.
1: I think also I found that the longer an employee might be with a company and they are promoted to management based on tenure, but no one's ever given any sort of management training where they're equipped to develop their own management style so that their coworkers respect them they and they're able to run things better with better communication and I found personally, I took a lot of classes on management, nobody taught me that, and I don't really see that happening in companies either where they actually have management
0: training. and that's cannabis and not cannabis. I mean even from my experience, it's like people get promoted based off of you know their expertise and you know I'm super analytical looking at numbers and imagine all these n- nerds that are doing great analysis and boom get promoted and really are lacking those people and managerial skills yeah, the Good skills
1: Skills
3: are important. We yeah, to- <laughs> sorry. Let me, if you don't mind, if I comment on that. It, it's, you know, it's absolutely true what you're saying, and and you know, as I as i stated before, it's kind of, you know, one of the, I think, you know, fortunate and unfortunate things that we're seeing in the industry right now. I mean, look, I've. I've like I said before, you know, I've I've been around cannabis since I was, you know, in my mid-teens. And it's something that I've always really had as a part of my life, it, to one extent or another. Obviously, you know, I grew up, my parents are not about cannabis. <laughs> but I was introduced to cannabis more with my siblings, but, but my parents are not, are not about cannabis. Even now, uh, talking to my parents about it, it's not something that they're really that particularly open to. But, you know, it's it's always been something that has been a part of me as a person because of my personal enjoyment of cannabis. You know, I don't I don't actually have any sort of medical issues personally. I've always been a recreational user. But it's something that We're seeing, unfortunately, a change that's happening because cannabis is becoming an industry now. And with cannabis becoming an industry, unfortunately, you have to have industry professionals and professionals that can come into it that can actually push the needle for it to get where it wants to go. And if that doesn't happen, then unfortunately, the doomsday scenario that everyone thinks of cannabis being overtaken by large corporations could potentially happen because of regular companies not evolving with a changing marketplace. And as much as I want to continue with, you know, cannabis culture and society, I love all of it. (laughs) I really do. It's unfortunately as cannabis moves towards the business, and is changed to a business model, it's one of the things that cannabis as an industry has to evolve with as well.
1: Yep. It's time to grow up. Yep. Yep.
0: So if you guys want, we just got um, a little bit of time left, but we really wanted to talk to you about your company and, you know, understanding a little bit about your team and your company culture your and your growth plan. Great. Well, we
2: uh, are really excited. We have some pretty awesome people that we just brought on board um, the first part of this quarter. Who are being trained right now to be talent acquisition managers, and they come from all walks of recruiting and staffing. Uh, however, we do have a set of core values we're trying to uphold, and I really find it extremely important to have everyone operating on the same level, you know, as a crew and as a tribe, you know, within our company work culture. So. Uh, since we all work remotely, uh, we do have weekly meetings that are, you know, centered on the Google um, forum. We use a lot of uh, apps which help us, you know, remain in constant contact, which I really enjoy. Uh, as a work culture, we will be encouraging everybody to, you know, have communication outside of work if they want to, you know, do a virtual happy hour or, you know, in different regions. Um, We're planning on having yearly uh, in-person group meetings um, to just help kind of encourage people to, you know, continue to grow, you know, within their networks. And what I really have found with creating remote-based startups, the one thing that I think is lacking is work culture, and so that's been the key point for us Um, just these last few months is defining what that work culture will be. Um, We have decided to not focus as much on software development um, which is why we're focusing on staffing and so that's been a really large um, piece of our day that we've been able to dedicate toward just creating an amazing work experience for everybody and and that includes having awesome software solutions Uh, Travis and I have both worked for software companies in the past and we love technology like we're technology nerds and we love business technology solutions and so oftentimes we're trying to you know put together all-in-one solutions for our our own purposes that will help everyone Um, and oftentimes that helps us with a lot of our business relationships because uh, a lot of business owners are also in the on the hunt for different types of business solutions so it's It's a win-win for everyone, you know, that we're constantly changing our, you know, um, software applications. We're always innovating, and I think that that will continue for years to come. Uh, I really love month-to-month software as a service. It's a great way to, I think, run a scalable, nimble startup.
0: Yeah, we love Calendly, Asana, Um, Slack
1: a little bit for communication. MailChimp, Google Drive. As you, as we all know, we're all friends on LinkedIn, and I've been like incredibly impressed with your marketing strategy. I, as me and Simone, we're consultants; we aren't salespeople, so we've really just been studying business strategy and consulting strategy and getting ourselves out there. And I see you as a great example of someone who just keeps putting out like good-looking posts, good-looking content that is very simple that, and you're attract, I mean, it seems like in the past three or four months that you've been operating that you're already killing it. And that's so awesome. And I'm wondering if you could share any tips um, for people out there like us and other people, like how, what's the key to your social media marketing content strategy?
2: Travis is literally putting something over my mouth right now. <laughs> uh, I So it's funny that you say that. So I have had my hand slapped by probably 25 corporate Fortune 500 CMOs in my lifetime for creating unapproved corporate stock images, corporate slide decks, uh, subdomains because their website sucks so much that I would send my customers to my own website that I created for oh, the Fortune hilarious. 500 company that I was working for. <laughs> awesome. was because I was like, this is not okay. But, um, yeah, I, I really love, I love marketing and advertising. Like, it's this true hobby of mine. Like, someone would be riding a horse. I love to work in Adobe and I love playing around and making images. And so it's been hugely beneficial being a startup. We actually just retained a a marketing firm. Um, at the beginning of the quarter, uh, because I
3: just, Jeff- Jessica much time. was very upset about that. Actually. I actually it was, was actually sad. A-
2: I had to give them all of our information and they already messed up our website. I'm not kidding. It's already broken. So, but yeah, they took away my keys to the creative office, believe it or not. That's funny. So if we dip down, tell me if our stuff starts sucking and
3: <laughs> I'll be the first to step on voice. <laughs> but I, for us, the one thing that we do, and I'll, I will say, uh, in terms of marketing, is that you know obviously uh, we collaborate on various ideas about uh, how we want to present ourselves, and we have a general understanding of you know who we are as a company and what our message is. As well, too, and I think the main point and the main key for us is that we really try to keep it no, simple. <coughs> excuse me, we really try to keep it simple and uh, to you know let i think the, the main idea is to, to be for us to be engaging and to keep things simple and the best way that we can do that is is by you know making graphics that are engaging and you know things that make people want to you know reach out to us which i guess has been relatively successful so far it say.
1: seems do you guys use other social media platforms besides linkedin or do you have success using other platforms? Yeah, we interviewed a while back, um, somebody on social media strategy, and
0: one of the most insightful things that I learned was the fact that each of these platforms really has a different audience, and like to be successful, you can't just have one post and post on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Like That's a very different audience. Do you, do you guys agree with that?
3: Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely.
0: I, I'm not sure if I agree with that <laughs>
3: necessarily. I, I agree with you. We we have, uh, and this is one of the things that uh, our marketing team, I believe, is going to uh, be addressing as well, too. Uh, but reaching out to other social media platforms we have before, we've gotten... Uh, yeah, differing candidates from when we've used uh, Twitter compared to LinkedIn. Or, we
2: do use Twitter uh, every we
3: day. We use Facebook as well, too, and, and advertise on Facebook as well. And, and uh, yeah, there, we, we do get a different candidates. But I think that really for the types of candidates that we're looking for, most of the people that we're really searching for are on LinkedIn. Yeah. yeah.
2: And the most important thing, I think, when you're marketing your company on social media, truthfully is consistency and persistence because you're only as good as your last post. And so if that post was 20 days ago, the algorithms don't even care about you anymore. Like they literally do not care and they won't even remember you. And 20 days ago is like a lifetime, you know, in terms of um, internet activity. And so your post is buried (laughs) Uh, so posting consistently and often, I think, is a really good tip. But also, to keeping to keep your message fresh and being in touch with your audience is very important. So a lot of market research, um, I believe, is needed. Travis and I uh, did a lot of stealth market research for probably two and a half years. Um, before we officially launched cannabis staff and it was because we wanted to make sure that when we did go to market that we had the I call it I call it earning the right. And I really wanted to earn the right with my peers to be able to talk with them about their personal life and what they're really facing. And I felt that, Entering, um, you know, LinkedIn is a good example, entering uh, LinkedIn as a recruiter, and having this idea that, you know, I'm helping all these people find jobs. Really, they're helping me feed my family. (laughs) And so, at the end of the day, um, I feel like it's, you know, such a service that we have to offer. And if I can, you know, continuously be um, putting out a message that's positive, um, you know, that, that is inviting, that makes people feel comfortable with me, then I think that that's the best thing that I can possibly do. And, uh, yeah, Travis is actually the editor in chief of everything that comes out of this place. So he's the final say on everything. Um, like as far as grammar goes. He's a grammar Nazi. Don't don't
3: hold hold me to that because sometimes things go up without my editorial Uh approval.
2: Not anymore, not now that we've hired this creative team.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I just I think that you guys and Jesse, I mean we've never met, but I feel like I already know you and we see each other's posts every day and I mean, you've really like positioned yourself like awesome. You come across exactly what you're you know. going for. And I think that that's an awesome strategy people should keep in mind, definitely consistency. And for myself, I feel like I have a responsibility with my curation of articles that I'm going to share with people. And I feel like that's what you've done as well is you've stuck to a specific... Type of person, you know, yeah. and who you're looking for, and what you're targeting, and you've done really well at defining that for others. And not only that, but I think that when me. you when you go into business,
0: yeah. you go into business to help. And, let, and it's clear, like let me Jessica,
3: say as well too, that you know that I've Jessica's given me a lot of a lot of you know probably undeserved praise <laughs> in this conversation here today. But when i comes down to it, honestly, she is the. Uh, the driving force behind anything that happens here uh, at Cannabis Staff. And she is true. And I I see her working every single day uh, and I've seen her work tirelessly over the last number of years uh, in the cannabis industry and uh, the ups and the downs, uh, all of that has as a part of it and she has never lost her uh, determination and enthusiasm uh, towards this industry and she is I mean, a very, very tireless worker. She will probably outwork the three of us. Well, I can't say that for actually the two of you on this call. <laughs> Most people I can. Uh, but uh, she would easily outwork any of us because she is so passionate about... Uh, cannabis in general, I don't know if you know, but she and she hasn't mentioned it on the call, but uh, you know, her brother uh, is a very big cannabis patient as well too, and has been a grower for a long time. Uh, and it kind of opened uh, up her eyes many, many, many years ago now to the possibilities of medical cannabis, and she's very passionate about that. And yeah, really, uh, any sort of success that uh, comes out of this company is really all good to her.
2: Not exactly. It's 50 50 for sure. He puts up with my crazy. He does. If I didn't have him like making sure that I was eating and sleeping and going to bed (laughs) and, (laughs) you know, not totally crazy manic all the time. Like Travis is a lifesaver, seriously. And he's extremely um, brilliant. He's he's actually is Mensa level intelligence. (laughs) <laughs> so sometimes I, I, I literally have him, um, you know, engage on every single call because he offers something, you know, for every uh, situation and scenario. Like he has a plan B and a plan C um, ready to go. So I love
1: that yeah you guys are doing really well from what I can see good job yeah
2: quite the dynamic dude you guys are so nice you guys as well it's been such a pleasure to work with both of you and I really can't wait until we can all be together in person and enjoy each other's company and fellowship you know in a more uh, real way but this is just as good in my opinion as fun yeah
0: Absolutely. absolutely just a few more questions for the speed round are you guys ready
2: Definitely.
0: Yes. Okay. If someone's getting into the industry, what what's something that they should know?
3: Be yourself. I think over anything else, don't yeah. be yourself. And uh, come into it with uh, an air of flexibility and the ability to change very quickly because that's the industry you're entering into.
2: That's for sure. You know, earlier when I mentioned that I had lied on applications to get positions, um, and you know, I would walk into that CEO's office to reveal to them, you know, that I'm an imposter, (laughs) and that I'm still a good person. Yeah, and you know, and the thing is, is that feeling of being an imposter, it's a real feeling. And I can't imagine somebody living with that every day because me just working at a corporation and knowing that that was my intention, I felt horrific. I felt like every day somebody was gonna really Google me and find out that I do this and that this is how, you know, I get into companies, And I was just like always, Speaking, they're gonna figure this out. Like, I, I always impact their bottom line. Like, they always, you know, obviously, it ends up really well for them. Uh, however, there was one situation where they were very angry, and they really did not appreciate it at all. And I, you know, in turn, wanted them to understand. You know, you just spent, you know, for each uh for each hire, you're spending you know, quite a bit of money to make sure that the person that you're putting through is a really good candidate. And I definitely know that 90% of recruiters are not doing their due diligence and they're putting people through without checking any references. And I think that that's something that needs to be drawn uh, into the light and understood um, by every single hiring authority, um, because it's something that's prevalent in this um, industry, definitely. And we are not about that. It at seems all, because like, I think that that feeling of living a lie is terrible.
1: Yeah, and it seems like that's kind of the point of getting a recruiter to send you applicants is so that you don't get imposters passed That you've got the cream of the cream, the cream yeah.
3: yeah. of the cream. Yeah. 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 Yep. Absolutely.
2: You do want to make sure that even your recruiters are reputable, too, that you're working with. I think that that's something that a lot of people automatically think that, you know, because it's a recruiting agency, because they have, you know, some good reviews, that they're a great recruiter. And in fact, you know, a lot of reviews online aren't always what they seem. They have their own, you know, people working for them, posting positive reviews. And so I always give people, you know, a tip to and even with us, you know, to ask for multiple references and to ask for, um, you know, someone that has worked with them on both sides, because you really want to know who you're working with and how they're going to impact your business, you know, in the quarters to come, because engaging a recruiter should only be a positive impact. It should never be a negative one.
1: That's very excellent advice. Um, Well, we really enjoyed having you guys on the show today. Um, And how can our listeners find out more about what you guys have to offer?
3: Yeah, definitely. They can either connect with myself or Jesse on LinkedIn. Uh, we're very accessible on there. Uh, as well, of course, you can visit us online at uh, cannabisstaff.com. One S D A N N I A B I S B A F F fcom Okay. And uh, yeah, we look forward to hearing from anybody.
0: All right. Thank you guys yes. so, thank you much. so
1: much. Yes. Thank you for coming on.
0: Thank you for listening to part two of the show and joining Kristen and me today. If you have any questions that you'd like us to answer or just to ask in general, please join our LinkedIn group, Cannabis Business Minds, and ask us there. Until next week.